I was upset. I didn't think I had what it takes. It took a while to admit anything was wrong. Diet and exercise sounded intimidating. But small easy goals made it easy to start. Every situation is different. There are many paths to victory, but the end goal is all the same. This is the Weight Loss Podcast with Matt and Courtney, a couple who committed to a strategy and lost a combined 100 kilograms. When it comes to weight loss, you don't just need encouragement, you need a strategy. Well, hello there. Welcome to the internet's most popular weight loss, health and fitness podcast, even though no one's ever actually heard of it. Well, they have now because they're listening to it. It's the Weight Loss Podcast. My name is Matt. And my name is Courtney. We are here this week to talk to you about the top 10 signs you are about to lose weight. But in true weight loss podcast fashion, we're only going to give you five. Yes. Yes. It's a two-parter. So we are going to overpromise and underdeliver, as we do every week. <laughs> no. We were going to do all 10, but it's too long. It's too long? It's too long. I thought we preferred to set people up with great expectations and then disappoint them. <laughs> isn't that how isn't that how we roll? No. That's our thing? No. No. So okay. we're going to do number one to five today and next week you will hear number five to ten. No, actually next week you'll hear number six to oh, ten. Yeah. Because we're doing number <laughs> one to five this week. So as uh, as a mathematician, Courtney makes a fantastic personal trainer. So yeah, we're gonna talk about the top ten signs you well. are yeah, we're killing it. Mm. The top ten signs you are about to lose weight, parts one through to five. The reason we are doing this is because, well, very simple, no doubt you can relate to us when we say this. It is very frustrating doing your exercise, eating good food, making better choices, you're training hard, and it just seems like nothing is actually changing. But what you may not be aware of is that there are signs and there are things that will occur that is your body telling you Actually, you're doing this right, and you're on your way. Yeah, that's right. I think the thing that Matt and I have found over our time is that physical changes tend to be the last sign that actually occurs. So there's all these signs that happen before that that we ignore because ultimately all we're looking at, we're just looking out for the physical changes. And generally speaking, in terms of physical changes, not only are we looking out for them, but we're also looking out for that one specific area on our body that we hate the most, and we're waiting for that to change. And nothing else matters until that changes. We have achieved nothing until that changes. So it's easy to go a couple of weeks, a month, six weeks, and you think to yourself, okay, what I'm doing clearly isn't working, yet you may actually be overlooking the signs that we're going to go into this week and next week, those signs that your body's saying to you, actually, you're about to really kill this. You're going to have an epic change. Keep doing what you are doing. But it is it is human nature to get a bit impatient because we're so focused on the end result, we're overlooking the fact that the process is actually playing out. So Courtney and I have been through this personally. Mm. We go through this with literally every single client we work with and have ever worked with. This no one avoids this. This is just the way this works. Yeah, and I think you're 
completely right. And I think it wasn't until we saw it playing out with our clients that Matt and I actually stopped and thought we better really highlight some of these things to show them what they're missing out on by focusing just on that end result. And they're missing out on a lot of the signs along the way. Yep. So we are going to dig straight into it. We're going to start with sign number one. Numero uno. Okay. Yep. Yep. We're also a foreign language podcast here. <laughs> we are going to start with the number one or the first sign that you are about to lose weight. You okay, Courtney? Yes. Number one is you are getting stronger in the gym. So, okay, let's just start with the first thing. If you aren't lifting weights in the gym and you are interested in getting in the best shape of your life, I would change that. Start. I would start ASAP. Uh, so let's say, though, let's, let us assume, as dangerous as assumptions are, hmm. let us assume that you are lifting weights in the gym. Hmm. So the first thing you're looking out for is, are you getting stronger? So the number one, the cornerstone of any successful transformation in terms of the training program, the, the cornerstone of the training program is weight training. So when we work with ourselves and we work with our clients, we structure their whole training program around weights to begin with. Mm. That's that's where it starts. So the human body likes, well, we would like the human body to at least keep, if not add, a little bit of extra muscle tissue, which is going to eventually help us expend more energy and eventually help us change our body shape, burn more fat. But that starts with getting stronger in the gym. So the number one sign is you need to get stronger in the gym. How do you do that? Well, step one, are you recording what you are doing? If you're going into the gym each week, just going, oh, this week I'll do this. Yeah. Tomorrow I'll do that. What weights will I do? I don't know. I feel like doing this. So I'll do this weight to this many reps. Next week I might do lighter. Next week I might do heavier. Who knows? We'll see how I feel. That's not going to get it done. No. What's going to get it done is having a plan, having structure, recording your information and knowing that within a certain amount of repetitions... I'm going to do progressively more weight. So for example, this week on a bench press, you might bench press, I don't know, 30 kilos for 10 reps. Great, well done. Next week, maybe you can do 31 kilos for 10 reps. That's a good sign. Exactly. A small increase is still an increase. So if you're getting stronger in the gym, it's no accident. All the training that you do needs to be geared around getting stronger in the gym. Now, Courtney, if I can throw this over to you, you've gone through this firsthand the last couple of years with your own transformation. When, well, I'll take this back a step. When Courtney and I first met, she had never done weight training. She was what you would call a treadmill girl. I was a walker. Yep. A walker. So her, her training routine revolved around walking on the treadmill, yep. sending text messages to her sister. Yeah, well, unless she was standing next to me on the other treadmill and then we'd chat away. <laughs> okay, yep. So getting it done. So I'll, I'll now throw this over to, to you, Courtney. Can you speak from your own experience with the way you did your weight training when you and I first met, 
the way you've been doing it the last couple of years and how have you how have you integrated it into your life and what's it done for you well as matt said i started working out with him at the gym having not done weight training so we obviously started quite light just learning the movements I was learning how to do a squat properly with no weight at all, things like that. I was learning how to do a deadlift properly just with the bar alone with no weight on the bar at all. Then as the weeks went on, I started to get an understanding of the movement and then the weight started to go on. And like Matt said, I would keep track of my weights week to week or workout to workout. So I knew when I was coming into the gym the next time, okay, I lifted that on squats last week so I'm either going to do that exact same weight or slightly more and then that went up and up each week and I think it's really important to note that these aren't massive jumps you know we're not talking Mm. about five ten kilos a workout here no it might be as simple as half a kilo aside a kilo aside you know something like that and once, you know, you keep going, you keep going, you, you're starting to expect your body, you know, to be able to allow you to lift more and more and more. It comes, it becomes an expectation. Mm-hmm. And that is, I think, something for yourself if you're already a lifter and you've already been lifting weights, this might be something that you're looking at thinking, oh, I had never really thought of that. I was just sort of like what I got into the habit of doing, which was just expecting myself to be able to go into the gym and lift more than I did last, last week. It becomes an expectation. It's not, it, it's not a sign to you anymore. Whereas it, you need to really start thinking and remembering this, that this is a sign because if mm. things aren't ha- happening in the right direction, if things aren't heading in the right direction and you've got all the other things going for you, you won't lift more than you did last week. Your body just physically won't do it. I think it can also, the amount of training that you do outside of your weight training can potentially impact mm. the actual lifting of weights. So in terms of, let's say someone is doing swimming, running, bike riding, rollerblading, kickboxing, whatever, outside of their weight training sessions, if you find that you aren't getting stronger in the gym, it might be that you're doing too much training around it. Hmm. So everything you need to do or everything you're doing in your training routine should be geared around the idea of I need to get stronger in the gym. So if that's happening, if you can feel it in terms of when you're doing the exercises, it's gradually getting is either getting easier or you're getting better at it, which is kind of the same thing. Yeah. And most importantly of all, you are recording the information and it's right there in front of you saying over a four, six, eight, 10, 12 week period on these exercises that I've chosen to do, my numbers are going up. That's not an accident. Mm. That is by design and there is going to be a reward that comes from it. Yeah, it's a definite sign. So you definitely need to remember it. Yep. It is as a sign. It's also, I think, the number one sign. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's why it's number one. That is why it's number one, yes. So let's now move on to number two, which is you are getting hungry. Yes. So our industry likes to tell you that you should probably do more exercise and probably eat less food. 
which is the technical term I would use is a load of shit. That is a complete load of crap. Generally, the opposite is true, where we don't need we don't need to train more. We need to train smarter. Yes. But actually, most people that get into uh, you know they start their own sort of weight loss journey, changing their body shape, you know, looking and feeling their best. And Courtney will uh, attest to this from her own personal experience. A lot of people tend to be actual under eaters. Massively, I was. Massive under eaters. Mm. So what you're going to find is that as you are getting stronger in the gym, as you are gradually performing good, intense cardio exercise, you should get more hungry. Your appetite should increase. Correct. Yeah, your metabolism will kick in. Metabolism starts to elevate. Your, your body's burning more energy, which is a very, very good thing. Mm. So if you find that, say, you've started your training routine or your training program mm, three, four weeks ago, and now you look at your desk and you'd like to eat it, <laughs> that's a good thing. Yes. That's a very, very, very good thing. Because you're burning more energy, your body needs more fuel coming back in, your metabolism is elevating. That is a catalyst for basically every dramatic change that you want to make. So sign number two is you are getting more hungry. If you are not getting more hungry after a sustained period of time, well, there could be a number of factors at play, potentially stress, yes, potentially over-exercising, yes. because it is an actual thing. Under-exercising. Well, there is, there is under-exercising sitting on the couch. Yeah. I mean, you know, going for a couple of walks a couple of times a week isn't necessarily going to increase your metabolism. No, but so, still. Yeah, so that is a factor as well. But I was definitely an under-eater. Yeah. When I first met Matt, I remember, like, very vividly remember him asking me to come and uh, meet with him having written down what I had eaten for the last couple of days. Yep. And so, do you remember that? Of course I remember that. Yeah. So, I had, I, I thought I was really smart and I was going to eat really good for the couple of days and write it down and then I went and presented it to him and and the first thing he did when he looked at it was turn to me and said, you don't eat enough. And I was floored. I thought, what is this idiot talking about? I have been on point the last couple of days. The last couple of days. Well done. Yeah, I know. So, and then, and then obviously, once I sat down and understood everything and no one had ever explained to me about metabolism, about lifting weights, about... I still thought that the philosophy was train more, eat less. So I was trying to force myself to eat less food and it just wouldn't work. So I would go through binges. So I would go through eating less food for, I would only make it a couple of days until I couldn't stand it anymore. And then I would just eat whatever was in front of me. And then it would go a couple of days again. And then, you know, the vicious cycle would go on. But yeah, so that was, that was a massive eye opener for me, which was having the discussion about metabolism increasing the amount of food that you're eating, just increasing it in the right way. And gradually. the right amount of food. And gradually. And gradually, of course. But definitely I think that getting hungry is a sign, again, that a lot of people just disregard. Well, some think it's a negative. Some people do think it's a negative. You're right. Oh, my God. Why am I more hungry? This is a good thing. Yes. A very, very, very good thing. Don't panic. No, don't panic. Whenever, Whenever our clients come to us and say, oh, look, I'm starting to feel more hungry. 
it's it's high five, high five, fist bump. This this is starting to play out. This is great. We like this. So your body is telling you, I'm burning more. Please give me more. Yes. So high five to that. So number two was you're getting hungry. Number three, you're sleeping better. Ooh. Yes. Sleep. Sleep. Massively underrated. I know it was massively underrated by myself for a really long time. And some, uh, maybe it still is. Oh, some, it still is. I am getting better at it. I am getting better at making sure that sleep is becoming much more of a focus. It's a goal of mine at the moment to um, to try to get better at that bad habit. But sleep, I think, is massively underrated because it does become a habit. We, we all get into certain sleeping patterns, sleeping habits, where we tend to go to sleep at the, at the same sort of rough timing. We get up at the same sort of rough timing because of work or other commitments. But I don't think enough of... Enough of us actually really look at how many hours we're sleeping for and how that then is affecting our day. And also the quality of the sleep. Uh, I'll give a a personal story here. When I was at my most unhealthiest and at obviously my my fattest, my sleeping my sleeping patterns in terms of quantity and quality was terrible. So for me, I would regularly be going to bed two a.m., three a.m., four a.m. In the morning, getting up 8, 9, 10, 11 if I slept in on the weekend or lost half the day. But also not just going to bed at those times and getting up way, you know, later in the morning. It would take me a long time to actually get to sleep. Mm. So I'd find that I would go to bed and it's like, okay, I'm now, I want to go to sleep and just sit there. Or lie there staring at the black ceiling. Mm. Like, okay, uh, what's going on here? And there was... It was regular for me where it would take up to, up to an hour to start to fall asleep and then the slightest noise outside would wake me up. Yeah. And then I would sit there for another hour again trying Very to get back to sleep. Sleeper. Extremely light sleeper. I mm. tried... I At the time, I started trying different things, having music in my ears, mm. reading books, etc. Yeah. And nothing actually started to work until I made a conscious effort to get to bed before midnight. Right. So I tend to, I found as I gradually improved my health and put more of a, a priority on getting to bed a little bit earlier, that for me, every, well, I mean, every hour that I went to bed before midnight was worth about two hours after midnight. Yeah. That that appears to be the, the, the cutoff point for me personally. So over time, I gradually took it from, going to bed 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning to going to bed 10 o'clock. Yeah. 11 o'clock yeah. at night. And so after a while, uh, I tend to, f- oh, I found that not only would I fall asleep very, very quickly, I would stay asleep mm. and I would wake up feeling more refreshed and energetic in the morning. So if you are starting to find through your own journey with this that you are waking up a bit more energetic in the morning, you're feeling more rested, that's no accident. No, absolutely. If you, and I've, this is also the case, a very, very good training routine, very, very good nutritional habits can be brought undone by sleep because that's where the body recovers from what we do to it. It's where it's going to restore our energy. It's going to you know get us ready for the next day. And I know Courtney, Courtney can really sort of speak to this personally 
even as recent as last week, she had a rather poor sleep a week ago that led to a rather poor training session at the gym with me. Yeah, well, I was actually going to mention that as well, where number one and two, which were getting stronger in the gym, and number two was you're getting hungry, these can be really affected by number three, which is sleep. So they can have a positive or negative impact depending on what your sleeping patterns are like. So for myself, one of my my worst habits is sleep, and it has been for many years. Mm. And it is something that I'm constantly working on and, and creeping up to developing a really good habit. But again, it's not something that's going to change overnight. So I'm I'm constantly, it's a constant work in progress for me at the moment. But Matt is absolutely right. Just as, as early as last week, I had a, a night where I went to bed later than I should have. I got up the next morning. We went to the gym like we usually do for a workout. And I was not able to perform at the level that I had expected of myself. I was not able to perform at the level that I had the week before. So that is is the most obvious uh, example of how sleep can really negatively affect things like your gym workouts. It can affect your nutrition. If you're not taking the time then because you're tired to get your food right, to make sure you've got food in the fridge, that's going to help you. You might just be tired after work and think, oh, stuff, but I can't be bothered. I'm just going to get takeaway. It can lead to bad decisions. Uh, can lead In my case, I have found it can lead to poor focus. Definitely. So poor focus leads to poor productivity. So mm. the work that, that I need to do through the day is impacted because I'm so tired I can't focus on what's you know what the task is at hand. Let yes. alone trying to lift the heaviest weights possible at the gym. Yes. Or if I'm doing uh, an intense cardio session on a poor sleep, I can even feel it in my legs. Yeah. Where I haven't got the spring off my toes. If I do if I do a run, for example, the, the spring isn't there. The pop isn't there. You just know it. Mm. When, when you, you become accustomed to functioning on a better quality of sleep and you know what your body gives you, on the other side, you know when it's not there. Yeah. You know when a bad sleep is caught up with you because like, you know what? I want to do this and my body's not giving it to me. So if you are finding that you are training harder, you're recovering faster, you're waking up with more energy in the morning and you're feeling more alert. And in, I know for me now where I'm at, I'm actually beating the alarm more often than not. That's a very, very, very good sign. Absolutely. And I think that for myself, what I've noticed, being that I am a poor um, sleeper, I have a poor habit of going to bed later than I should, I do sleep very well. But I have also found that getting stronger in the gym and working out, all these things are contributing to me wanting to go to bed earlier mm. because I am tired, because it wears me out during the day. But then as a result, I do wake up with more energy, things like that. So I think sleep is really underrated for both ways. Well, I've seen it as well with Courtney when she is waking up in the morning off probably going to bed a little bit too late. You, she's very sluggish. Mm finds it very hard to, to roll out of bed, where I know for myself, springs out. Yeah. So we've all we've all got our habits. Even for me, sometimes I'll also stay up late. But if I, I can do it maybe one one night in a week and I can get away with it. 
if I do say two nights in a row of you know going to bed a little bit later than normal and not getting as much sleep as I usually do, more than two nights and I know about it. Yeah. It starts to impact what I do. So if I can just say, don't sleep on the importance of getting more sleep. See what I did oh, there? I got it. See what I did there? So for the average adult, sleeping per night, generally, studies have shown seven and a half to nine hours. Within that range. Within that range. I'll put a um I'll put some reading material on the show notes page at theweightlosspodcast.com. Awesome. But I think the main point as well is us putting sleep in this uh, list is you know you're about to lose weight if your sleeping is improving. So if you're one of those people like myself who've always had bad habits or with Matt, like Matt has been in the past as well, you've always had bad habits of sleep, whether it be... Uh, going to bed too late, waking up sluggish even after you've gone to bed at the right time mm. and you've had seven and a half to nine hours sleep but you're still waking up sluggish, things like this. Don't ignore that as a big tick and a big uh, sign that things are heading in the right direction. Yep, so I will move on now to the fourth sign that you are about to lose weight, which is no more 3 p.m. crash. Now, I before I became a PT, I worked in the office in an office environment for many years. And if you've worked in an office before, I'm sure you can relate to the following, where you get to around about 2 p.m., 3 p.m. in the afternoon, and all of a sudden, everything just falls apart. Hit the wall. You hit the wall. You feel very lethargic, yeah. very sluggish. It's hard to concentrate. Generally, all you think about is going home. So yes. you're productivity tends to uh, to go to hell and you know that you're not going to get through the rest of the afternoon unless it's coffee time. Yes. So that generally, well, I used to get the 3 p.m. crash. Mm. Courtney, did you ever get that? Yeah, I would I would often get that. But often for me, because my sleeping, sleeping was so poor, I would just feel a very... Um, um, very uh, unfocused and um, okay. fuzzy usually fuzzy. earlier than fuzzy. three p.m. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, often, often I would still get that if I was in the office all day. Yeah. I wasn't in the office all day every day. My yeah. previous job was not sort of a set routine like that. Mm. But yeah, I would often get um to a certain point and I would just hit the wall and yeah, you know, your productivity for the day's just gone out the window. That's yeah. just it. There's I, gonna be no more. I'd hit the wall. Just in, on time for 3 p.m. and it would be really, really tough to to get through the rest of the workday. Then after a while, and it did take admittedly it did take me a little while, my energy levels started improving to the point where 3 p.m. would come around and I'd feel like I did six hours beforehand. Yeah. And I know now Courtney Courtney's known me for for a few years now, but you know Courtney, I'm sure you can also. Well, you probably noticed that I'm very rarely lacking in energy. Yes. These days, no matter what the time is, yes. even after a big day, I'm still up and about. Yeah, it have to be a very odd occasion, and usually it's because you might be getting um, on the very rare occasion that you get sick. Very rare indeed. Very <laughs> that, rare. That indeed. might be the only time that you lack in energy. Or if I'm coming off two days in a row of poor sleep. Yeah, well, that's it as mm. well. So, mm. But I think as well, the, the main thing to highlight here is that I think you can, you can start to get the picture of the way we've designed these signs is that they all really 
back relate to each other. So if you're crashing at 3 p.m., it generally means that you haven't eaten properly, that all the sleep has been the impacted. sleep has been impacted. Yep. That you maybe aren't exercising your body very well, or at all, or maybe the opposite. Yeah, you are overtraining and um, putting too much stress on your body. So you can see how these all start to relate to each other. Oh, they def- they, they definitely um, play into each other for sure. So if you're starting to find that the 3 p.m. crash is becoming a thing of the past, mm. that is also no fluke. That is a very, very, very positive sign. And we will now move on to the fifth sign you're about to lose weight and the last one for this episode, which Courtney is... Well, I alluded to it just before, but it is improved immune function. Improved immune function. Basically, you get less sick. Yes. So not just sick less often, but if you do get sick, it doesn't last long. Mm. Uh, Courtney, would you like to offer any personal experience on this before yeah, I, I do? Think, I think everybody for this one is going to have it slightly differently again. Matt and I um, experience illness a bit differently again. Matt would be lucky to probably get sick twice a year. Uh, maybe. Yeah. For myself, it's probably just a couple of times more, but it's not necessarily means that I'm less healthy than Matt is. It just means that potentially... Uh, it's just it was just that we're made up differently. That's all. What but it also means though is I've been doing this longer than you. That also is correct. I think though the most important thing to think of when you're talking about improved immune function is when I think winter is a great example. I mean, every winter you hear of people getting colds, getting the flu, and sometimes it knocks people around for days. Mo- Usually weeks. even weeks, and that used to happen to me. I, I might be down for two weeks with 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 the flu, with a cold, and it would really knock me about. Once you then you're sick, it impacts your you know your appetite. You can't eat very well. You can't train. It's hard to sleep. So all of these other things get impacted, and sometimes it can be for for weeks on end. Whereas now I'm finding for myself, yes, I still might get sick. Of, of, you know, a few times a year. But generally speaking, now they're a couple, a couple of to a few days, two to three days, and then I'm feeling much better. Well, I know for me, when I was at my my worst for for most of my my life growing up and into adulthood, all I knew was being regularly sick, having the sniffles, having a cold, having the flu, catching things, just yeah. getting things that were going around where it felt like I was sick more often than I was not. Mm. So clearly that is a sign of a compromised immune function. Mm. I found over the years, even leading up to where I am now, that as I gradually took more care of myself, started changing what I was putting into my body, started doing weight training, because weight training is very, very good at helping to fortify the immune system, not only will I start to get sick less often, when I did get sick, it wouldn't last long. Yeah. Where now, as Courtney sort of touched on before, it's at the stage where maybe I might get sick two times a year. So far this year, it's zero. Mm-hmm. Um, and Courtney will, will have also noticed that if and when I do get sick, it doesn't last long. Maybe a day where I might have the sniffles, but the day after that, it's all back up. 
So it's a, it's a very good sign if you're starting to notice you're getting sick less, even when people around you are still getting I don't think I've been a bit sick sickly. that much this year. Uh, none, actually. No, I'm keeping I score. I got the uh, the early stages of, of uh, the flu of a cold uh, a month ago, but never really caught hold. It was just the sniffles for a day and then that was it. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think as well, the main thing as well to remember with immune function, and Matt, I think you'll agree, is that it's something that gets built up over time. Yes, it does. So like you said before, mine isn't quite what yours is yet. Oh, I've had a head start. But you've had years of a head start yeah. um, of this sort of lifestyle than I have. Yeah, but, so. but where it was for me was was terrible. Yeah. And I was I was always sick, and not just in winter. Mm. Not just in winter. Uh, it was just a, a common thing. Where now, even being around people when they're sick doesn't doesn't scare me mm. because I don't believe I'm going to catch it. And if somehow I do, I won't catch it for long. Yeah. So what you find is that if you're if you've just started this process or you've been in for a couple of months and you are starting to notice that you're not getting quite as sick as you used to, that's really, really, really good. Really good. That's that's your body's immune function starting to improve. On the other side of things. If you are training the house down, mm. if you're changing, gradually changing the food that you're putting into your body, but you're still getting sick, something in the process isn't working. So understand that when it comes to intense exercise, intense exercise that we do does suppress immune function. Yes. Where if we aren't giving ourselves enough time to recover, we might find ourselves getting a little bit sick yeah, absolutely. here and there. So I, I've just found that with, with Courtney and I and with our clients that we, we work with and have worked with, if they are still getting sick, something is not working. Hmm. Something is not, or something in the process is not being followed. Well, if they're getting sick to the point where they always have been, that's a thing as well. So again, it, will, it does take a little while to build up, but you will generally see a improvement if you are nailing each step well, and yeah. getting everything right. If, if, pe- if, people are, if people are doing things to a, a fairly consistent high standard, you should expect to not get sick. An improvement, yes. And to not get sick for long if you do. Yes. So that that is also a, well, it's a really, really good sign. And it's the last one that Courtney and I are going to speak about on this episode. Yeah. So I think, I think hearing... The first five, I think you're starting to get an idea of what these sort of signs are about. And again, like like we said at the, at the top, like Matt and I said at the top, I think that these are really important. They don't seem like big things, you know, like, oh, my, my, I'm sleeping better. Oh, I'm not crashing at work at 3 p.m. each day now. These are really easy things to overlook. And well, that's yeah. the point of us writing these out yep. and highlighting them because they're so easy to overlook. And we well, we would o- overlook them ourselves. We would see our clients overlooking them and they would be coming to us saying, nothing's changing. This isn't working. This isn't working. And then we would ask them, oh, you're getting, but you're getting stronger in the gym. And they would say, yeah, so, but I'm not thinner yet. <laughs> and 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 it's so easy for our brains to switch off of these little steps along the way and only focus on that end goal and only focus on your thighs getting smaller or your stomach getting flatter and what the what the thing is though you've got to remember here is that this is not a quick 
easy process. Well, if it was, everyone would do it. Exactly. So it's long and it's hard. And you're going to make this process longer and a hell of a lot harder for yourself if you are only focusing on that very, very end goal. Yes, it's great to have an end goal and it's great to keep it in the front of your mind. But at the same time, you've got to pat yourself on the back and be able to recognize these little wins along the way. Mm. Otherwise, this process is going to be really long and really hard. Yeah, these these little wins that we're talking about, well, they add up and then they're not a fluke. Because much, much like anything in life that involves success, success in terms of weight loss and overall physical transformation does not happen by accident. So all these little signs that we're talking about uh, is your body telling you, please keep doing what you are doing. Mm. So on that note... Oh. It's email time. Is it? Yep. Email time. Do-do-do-do. Oh, I, I actually forgot about the emails. Oh, you got gosh. me on that one, Courtney. Silly. I remembered. So this week's email we got from Sarah... Thanks, Sarah. We've had a couple of Sarahs. Yeah, we have. Email us, which is nice. Yeah, Sarah's a common name, though. Yeah. So thanks, Sarah, for sending in your email. Uh, basically says, hi, guys. Thanks for doing the podcast. Love it so much. I'm out on the road a lot and find that sometimes I have forgotten my meal. Ooh. I do often drive past places like Subway, McDonald's, KFC, the like. What is the best option for me to make in an emergency situation? Thanks so much, Sarah. Well, thank you, Sarah. Courtney, you want to take this one? It's a great question and you're not alone, Sarah, so don't feel bad about making a mistake like forgetting your food or something like that. It happens to the best of us. It's happened to me. It's happened to Matt. Sometimes just shit happens and you either find yourself in a situation where you don't have a meal with you where you might have found that you're out for longer than you had expected or something came up and you just weren't prepared for it or, like you said, you've just forgotten your food. In terms of the best option to make, there's plenty of better options than McDonald's and and KFC and things like this. So all the fast food places I would tend to steer clear of. I would tend to try to find a... Uh, shopping center, if you could, a supermarket, a supermarket yeah, um, or a shopping center. A lot of shopping centers in their food courts have uh, salad bars and things like that that you could pick up a, a really nice salad. Alternatively, if you go into your local supermarket, I've done it before where I've been on my way somewhere. I've stopped in a local supermarket and got one of those pre-packaged salad mixes and uh, and some roast chicken which is generally there. Or if you go to the deli section of the supermarket, generally you'll find they have cold, uh, already pre-shredded uh, chicken breast in the in the deli section that you can just uh, grab a little bit of that and one of your pre-packaged um, salad mixes. And that makes a really good nutritious meal without having to go to somewhere like a KFC or a McDonald's yeah. where they're not going to have great options. Even their healthy options generally aren't the best. Well, let's say faux health. And I think as well, when you put yourself in those sort of environments, it's really hard sometimes to always make the best decision. So I've always found it's best just to stay clear of those sort of environments. And Sarah, I'll also take this back a step. If I find that I'm out on the road and I've got nothing with me, it's a lack of preparation. 
Yes. So I prefer, I, Courtney's advice is fantastic and I agree with it wholeheartedly. I would also look at the root of the problem. Mm. The root of the problem is a lack of preparation where I would like to know in advance what my routine is. Obviously, that's not always possible. But where generally it is, I'd like to know in advance what my routine is and plan accordingly. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Matt, because I think also, Sarah, the thing that I've learned over time is to better be safe than sorry. So generally speaking, if I'm going somewhere and I'm not 100% sure what's happening or when I'm going to be back, I'll often take an extra meal with me just in case. Because look, worst comes to worst, you can always bring it back home put and put fridge. it back in the fridge and mm. eat it at another time. Yep. But I, I've really adopted that better to be safe than sorry mindset and always take a plan B with you just in case. Yep, I agree. So thank you for that, Sarah. Uh, if you have any emails you wish to send to us, feedback, questions, abuse, your top five Super Nintendo games of all time, perhaps. You can email us at podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com. Yes, and we're looking forward to doing the next five of our five signs you're about to lose weight. Of our what, sorry? Of our ten signs you're about to lose weight. Don't mind Courtney. She just she just started sorry. working here. She's the work experience kid. We're doing the next five of your ten signs you're about to lose weight. So they will be... Next week, you're killing it. You are killing oh, it, dear. Well I don't done. Do it anymore. So let's <laughs> let let's call this a show. Hopefully, this has helped. We'd love to get some feedback from you. So we will speak to you next week. See ya. Get more free tips. Listen to previous episodes and contact Matt and Courtney at theweightlosspodcast.com. dot